1: Welcome into another Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast. I am John Kurtz, joined by Aaron Lockett, former K-State and NFL wide receiver. Talking K-State football once again today as the Wildcats get ready for Texas in the regular season finale. Unfortunately, that will be coming off of a loss. K-State goes down 20-10 to at home against the Baylor Bears, a team that was just outside the top 10, now is back in the top 10 of the college football playoff rankings. So certainly no shame in that, no shame in the loss. There are plenty of chances we will break down here on the podcast for K-State to actually break through and win this game. I don't know how many of you will be headed to Austin on Black Friday. The timing of that, the excitement or lack thereof of this game at this point in time. But uh, if you are, make sure you bring along the 360 vodka from Holiday Distillery to get that ready to go. Whatever it is that you want at your tailgate, craft cocktails, batch drinks. They've got you covered. Whatever it is that you need if you're watching it at home as well. I imagine a lot of people will be hanging out with the family. You can make that more bearable with some 360 vodka if they're going to be watching the game with you uh, in one of those situations on Friday. Yes, Friday. K-State plays Friday, not Saturday. But to break down, Aaron, the game against Baylor, I mean, frankly, it just comes down to K-State's offense didn't have enough. Baylor defense really put the chokehold on them throughout the entire game. There were chances, and K-State definitely had some miscues, namely the muff punt early on in the game that set Baylor up with a short field for some points. K-State's offense just never felt game or ready to take advantage of some of the opportunities that may have been there when they were.
2: Yeah, I mean, you hit it on the head, right? The early turnover really cost us. But that's how those big games go sometimes. We found ourselves back into the game later on. Um, But Baylor has a stiff defense. Like, you know, Bernard was flying around at linebacker. You know, Petrie at the safety position. I mean, they really played well. Um, They they limited their number of mistakes, uh, unfortunately for us. We weren't able to pass the ball as efficiently as we needed to. We talked about going into that game that we needed to rely on the receivers a little bit more, and hopefully Skyler could put the ball in their hands. But that seemed didn't really materialize the way we needed it to. But obviously, we'll talk more about the game. Deuce did what he always does, right? He hits you for a big play, gets you some points on the board. Um, I just I personally don't think we found those enough, right? We've got to find a way to get that young man the ball talented. And as you saw, when he caught the ball, broke a tackle, got vertical, Um, but one catch just just won't work against a big-time team like Baylor.
1: Yeah, there was the one play you mentioned late in the game in case they wound up not being able to do anything with that big play where they finally got him free down the deep middle of the field. I mean, outside of Deuce Vaughn, there was not much offense to speak of for basically anybody. Deuce broke off one big play, And, and when you talk about the receivers, it just didn't feel like Skyler Thompson was ever very comfortable, and certainly his injury status is something that we will talk about now as he got hurt at the end of the game. really back to the West Virginia game, he makes the one tremendous, tremendous throw to Sammy Wheeler on fourth down that basically won the game. But that was not really a great Skylar Thompson game either. So after he played much of the season at a really high level the last two weeks, particularly against Baylor, he, he just didn't look comfortable or willing to try and cut it deep.
2: Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I, I think they got very comfortable using Deuce out the backfield, right? Deuce had five catches. And so that's a safety valve, but you got to push the ball down the field. We mentioned that you got to get first downs, move the ball um, against a team like Baylor. You just can't run, run, and, and hit those small chunks. And so for us, we needed to find uh, Brooks more. Like I said, I mentioned Knowles. We needed to find a tight end. We just didn't open it up enough. And so once again, their front four was coming. Um, there was plenty of times where scholars started to get outside of the pocket and you can see those those defensive linemen coming pretty heavily. So um, once again, welcome to the Big 12. Right. That's a top tier team um, right outside of the top 10, as you mentioned earlier. And so it's just one of those games where you had to limit your mistakes. You had to play at your highest. And we didn't do that consistently. Um, but there's some good takeaways for us. Um, I hate it with senior day. Right. You wanted the seniors to go out with a win. But obviously it wasn't the last game of the year. And so I always think the last game of the year is the most important because that's how you prepare yourself into the bowl game and then start off season.
1: Yeah, I mean, you hate the the senior day, especially for Skyler, because
0: everything
1: he's been through in his career, the guy has definitely been a warrior to play through. The season-ending injury last year, the injury from earlier this year, and gutted out through the entire season back to the Bill Snyder era when he was getting yanked back and forth for Alex Delton just been a lot that he's endured throughout his career, and he had played so well for most of this season to have it be a game in which he was just off, the offense was totally off, and then he even gets hurt. He doesn't get to finish the game out on the field. He finishes it by being taken into the locker room on a cart. You just hate that, but it shouldn't shouldn't subtract anything from his legacy, which I don't think is a top-tier quarterback at K-State, but probably the next-level tier quarterback at K-State, especially considering all the circumstances that he went through during his career.
2: I mean, if you think about it, I mean, he, he's definitely ahead of the Brian Cavanaugh's of the world.
1: Um, you know, you
2: put him right there with Bucky or Matt Miller, you know, Chad May. I mean, he's made his plays and he's made his mark. And even to get more current, you know, you talk about Colin Klein um, and where does he really fit in around those guys. And so I think that, you know, his his winning ratio will be something we'll always remember. Um, you know, that game, he was 50% throwing the ball. He's been way more efficient this year. And so it was just one of those games. And you have those off games, like I said, but I think for the most part, when you look at the defense, there were some takeaways that I was really impressed with, right? Daniel Green, at linebacker, is a stud, right? He's getting from sideline to sideline. He's thumping. He's making a tackle for losses. That was big-time play. Um, they actually threw some balls on Echo this last game, and so I thought that was important for Echo. He was right there, and so you'll start to get some top-tier receivers in the Big 12. Um, like you said, it's just a matter of getting those repetitions. They haven't thrown the ball his way a lot this year, and so for him, I think that was important. We, we had uh, Russ on the, on the podcast last week, right? And so – um, you saw Drake Dabney uh, hit a delayed tie-in corner route uh, right on the end zone. And so those are just some of the things that, you know, we'll get used to as we start playing the Baylors and Oklahoma States more and more and more. But obviously, like I said, it was a home game. It was one that was just right for us for the taking. Um, it didn't work out. The missed field goal hurt, you know, but once again, it's a freshman kicker, right? And so when you think about it, there's a lot of things that just didn't go our way. And uh, when, when when you think about that, you, you look at the good stuff, and you take that and you plug it into next week. And so if they can finish strong, once again, um, you know, eight and four some, is a magnificent year with all the injuries we had and everything that's taken place. Go to a big-time bowl game, play a great team, finish strong,
1: and go on to next year. Yeah, look, kicker is is something that I think to be concerned about for right now, and unfortunately we saw that come to fruition. But you think about that, Chris Tennant misses the field goal. You had the muff punt early on from Phillip Brooks that set Baylor up for a score. Yeah. I mean, I thought the back-to-back sequence of missing a, a PI slash holding call, turning into Baylor muffs a punt, but then it's oh, taken yeah. <laughs> off the board because of <laughs> violating the ability to catch the football there, which I think is very debatable. And and I mean, that's the one, you know, look, K-State didn't lose the game because of the officials or any really of these breaks right. either. Yeah. I think Baylor was just the better team and that's the unfortunate reality. But Things could have been different and played out differently had that muff punt gone the other way. I mean, that was like the story of the first half to me is K-State muffs a punt, Baylor gets the football, Baylor muffs a punt, K-State does not get the football. I know that you don't have to make contact technically for it to be the penalty anymore, but what, What did you think of that call there where they said that K-State interfered with the ability to make the catch?
2: I mean, obviously he was close, right? And so as a returner, you know, that that maneuvered him to the left a little bit, but I don't think it was any contact. Therefore, it should have been a bang-bang play, and it's just part of the game, right? But because it was such an impactful play, they felt like they had to make a call, right? It was just one of those moments where if he would have caught the ball, I don't think it would have been much of an issue. But because it was a turnover – um, it happened deep in the end zone or in the red zone. It was just one of those things where they made a decision to make a call. It could have gone either way. Um, the intent was obviously not to hit them, but it did, um, bring some type of distraction to the returner as well. But once again, I, I thought that should have been, you know, Kansas state's ball. But if you look at it, you know, Baylor has three or four bona fide top four or five round guys on defense. Right. And so they're, they just have talent, right. And it's not it's not a surprise that they beat OU, right? It's not a surprise that they're ranked outside the top 10. Like, they have a legit chance to be one of the top seven to eight teams, if not better, this year. And so you just ran across a team um, that was that was playing well, uh, definitely played well on the road. Backup quarterback comes in and yeah. honestly looks better than a starter, right? It's just a different style of play. His, his, uh, his confidence was rising. He was hitting the short passes, and he was finding every avenue to make plays, even on fourth down. And what do you do?
1: Well, that was really the thing. I thought the the third down and fourth down conversions were pretty key for yeah. Baylor there because I agree with you. I mean, the defense, all told, played well enough to win. I thought it was a very good effort in general from the defense. They they did yeah. turn the ball over and get K-State a chance that way as well. But, hey, yeah, shaping comes in for Baylor and, and makes plays here or there. Certainly didn't look rattled. The moment wasn't too big for him. And right. uh, that could have been a disastrous type of moment for Baylor when Bohannon, who had played – basically every snap this year, a quarterback, every meaningful snap for Baylor, uh, when he goes down, you start thinking, okay, this could get really interesting. It, it didn't because of the, the poise and composure there, the redshirt freshman quarterback. So, yes, give him a lot of credit. At the same time, I still do think the K-State defense, as you kind of mentioned, Aaron, deserves a ton of credit oh, as yeah. well because I, I don't think that was – I mean, that was certainly not the defense that we saw against Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Iowa State during the three-game losing streak at the beginning of the year – I think it was still the same defense we saw during the four game winning streak difference being in the game, obviously was that the K-State offense was not what we had seen during the winning streak. Yeah. You you have to control
2: the ball. You have to be able to move the chains. You have to give them some time to get rest back. Um, Yeah. Jerron McPherson got injured. uh, And so, you know, he gets replaced. And so there's just some changes that took place on the defense that normally wouldn't happen. And so when you move a guy like Jerron out of the lineup with that caliber of experience and talent, like it just changes your dynamic as a secondary. And then you have to overcompensate, you know, but um I thought Reggie played well. I think he he continued to blitz off the edge as normal, continue to get tackles for losses as aggressive as ever. Um I thought the front seven played decent, you know, not great, but decent enough like I said, really impressed with how how green was flying around, but they've got some some time we we held their running game pretty much in check, right? Yeah. And so um to come in with the caliber running backs that they had, they have a one two punch that's dynamic. I thought we did a pretty fair job. I think they found us in some situations where our safeties were matched up against some of their players that um, probably wasn't to our benefit. And they they found a way to exploit those matchups. And so that was great um, offensive communication on their end of it. But for the most part, you know, I like the way we played. We held them to 20 points. I mean, anytime you can hold an offense uh, like that to 20 points, you should have a chance to win, right? And so we continue to, to shoot ourselves in the foot. And then if you think about it offensively, you know to me Irvin's got to get some more carries because he's a change of pace back right two carries won't work right you've got to find a way to implement them in there um, but that's part of getting behind and then you have to throw the ball and it just doesn't it just doesn't work to your natural offense like I said we have that one-two punch where we like to control the ball and so for us um, just some takeaways going forward and we need to implement that into this next game against Texas and see how that turns out for us
1: yeah I mean as far as the running games go On one side for Baylor, 21 carries for 46 yards for Abram Smith. That was the Big 12's leading rush coming into the game. I mean, that that was an impressive, impressive performance by K-State's run defense to shut him down. That guy had been really good, as good as we think Brees Hall is, as good as we think Deuce is. (laughs) Statistically, Abram Smith had been more impressive, and K-State kept him to a very minimal impact. And then Deuce had a really nice game, only gets 11 carries. I think if you do want some criticism of the offense, which – a lot of it on execution, a lot of it, Baylor has a good defense. If there is a criticism to levy against how the the game was called, I think it would be to run the football more. And Chris Kleiman even said that in his press conferences since then was like, yeah, we probably should have given Deuce more touches. And Joe Urban, unfortunately, had an injury, which is I think part of why he only had two carries. And that's that's another one of the unfortunate things from this game is that Skylar Thompson gets hurt, Jerome McPherson gets hurt, Joe Urban gets hurt. So if your K-State was really, really healthy going into that game, now you wonder about that coming up against Texas on a short turnaround, by the way, where you only have six days in between games. Yeah.
2: I mean, I mean, and just to finish off on a Baylor tip, you know, we were down 14-0, right? And so if you think about once that took place from there on, you know, it was basically a 10-6 game, you know. And so, you know, we played well enough to stay competitive and at times to win. We just never got back. Um, even with them. And I just don't think we have the firepower today to be a come-from-behind team. And so for us, it's important for us to to continue to be uh, even on the forefront. And so that's why that turnover was so big early on, just because it gave them a chance to score. And now we're playing from behind. And so we press a little bit. It changes our philosophy, and it just isn't who we are today. Um, and so maybe that'll change going forward. But But I think for us, we've got to find a way, like I said, to get our playmakers involved on the outside. Like you've got to have a passing game to complement the running game, right? Deuce is doing everything that he he can do, but at times there's there's a seven, eight man front, right? And it's man to man on the back end. We've got to find a way to win. And so we whether that's you've got to win a one-on-one matchups, at least 50-50. And so we got to get that confidence behind the quarterback and the receiver just to throw it up sometime and go make plays because I think our receivers um have showcased that they they have the hands, they can make the plays. Um, we just have to put them in those positions at
1: times. Yeah, well, I think to to me the bigger picture point here about this team and where things are at is 7-4, and four, again, if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that's where they'd be going into Texas, would not be surprised. I would think that's pretty much meeting my my expectation level for this season. I think the way it's played out, like what we have seen, is that this has been a very, I, I think, like Bill Snyder 2.0 type of season where they they've beaten – Everybody below them in the standings, they've lost everybody above them in the Big Twelve standings, and then here they sit, <laughs> and four. And if that plays true to form, they would beat Texas, be eight and four, just like they were right. in Chris Climan's yeah. first regular season. And it would be hard to complain about that. But the thing is, you, you get kind of teased where you start thinking, man, like this team can be good enough to go win one of those upper level games against one of the best teams in the league, and they're just not quite there. And so that. That is what leaves you with a, a little twinge and, and a feeling of kind of disappointment, even though you are here on the precipice of what could potentially be a nice eight and four season. But that's what the bowl
2: game's for, right? That's another opportunity to play against a top caliber team, um, most likely, uh, you know, probably going to be a top twenty five team. Hopefully, that's a chance to finish strong, right? And so I think for 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 them, they should look at that, not not looking past Texas, but going ahead, handling your business on the road. But once you get there you get another chance to showcase to the world how strong you are. And, and if you can come out and play years ago, how we played well against AM and um, down in the Houston bowl, it just changes the dynamic, of how people feel about Kansas state the next year. And so you've got to think about that as you go into the bowl game, you can have a one, it takes one dominant game to change the narrative. And so for, for Kansas state, I think that's what they should focus on moving forward.
1: Well, I've got some some good news for you on that front. One of the uh, well, uh, one of the most common bowl projections that I'm seeing right now is K State going to play in the Cheesa Bowl, which is in Orlando. Which, first of all, I would definitely take that, especially after K State got passed over for what was then the Camping World Bowl in Orlando a couple of years ago for Iowa State. But the most common opponent that I'm seeing linked there, it's an ACC tie-in, and it's been Clemson as the team. Oh in that game. So uh, if you are talking about a chance to get some extra momentum at the end of the year, I'm not sure that it would uh, be much better or get much better than that in bowl season for K-State than playing uh, Clemson at the end of the year. So, hey, Aaron, that would be exactly what you're talking about, a chance to go yeah. uh, get a dub against Clemson at the end of the year.
2: Yeah, you can't beat that at all. I mean, that, that's that's a powerhouse. If It's a non-conference uh, game that you probably wouldn't schedule. And so for us, that's an amazing opportunity. And so I think that's just a. You look at the seniors and all of the players that's on the team. It's that's the game that matters. And so, like I said, finish strong against Texas. Um, we've got to go up in Texas though, and execute, right? Texas obviously has some players that are that are really talented. They're not playing well right now, but they do have the talent, right? And so the last thing we want to do is is be the doormat for them to finish strong as well. And so, um, don't know what the morale will be for Texas not going to a bowl game, but for us, I think we still have a lot of boxes to check. Um, You know, players are still getting better. Guys need to finish strong and we need to get a win on the road.
1: Well, so that's the interesting part about Texas is, you know, what are the motivations at play here? I mean, I I listened to some of Steve Sarkeesian's press conference earlier this week, which included a grand total of one question, actually, about K-State. It came at the very end and he was asked about Deuce Vaughn, who, of course, (laughs) from Round Rock, Texas, which is very close to Austin, uh, and his right. dad used to be a, a coach at Texas. So that that'll be one of the storylines. I'm sure Deuce really wants to to show out in that stadium in front of what I would imagine will be a lot of friends and family, but man, I mean, it was Sark trying to say, look, we, we need momentum for next year. We need to play. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's trying to put together this four prong plan of what they still have to play for this year. But look, I, the, the attention is not on that. The focus is not on that. It's been Texas fans wondering what exactly is going wrong. Like, Right. Be, i mean it, it, it been like hot seat talk with with steve sarkeesian there after just one year is ridiculous yeah. that may be on on some levels but that's that's the reality of what texas has been so do you have a team that's going to throw in the towel do you have a team that will be interested in playing here and on top of that the, both of their quarterbacks have been hurt so we have we have quarterback injuries on both sides with two teams going on a, a one less day rest because the game is on friday like there's it just feels to me like a game where there's a lot up in the air. You just don't know what's going to happen with either team's quarterback situation. You don't know if Texas will decide to care about this game at all. And tickets right now are going for three bucks in Austin. So how many people are going to be in the stadium? What's the atmosphere like? There's just a lot that, that I think will have to get sorted out between now and Friday. The one thing I can appreciate is Kansas State always travels well,
2: right? And so you've got a number um, – of K-Staters in Dallas in a Houston area along with Austin that would make the trip. And so for us, it's a big 12 game that we need to win. Right. And so regardless of how Texas will approach it for us, it's another, it's another W, w um, that we need to get in the win column. And then, like I said, we have further plans to go to the bowl game. And so we need to continue to, to get the momentum, you know, get our passing game going, get Irvin back into the mix. Hopefully he's healthy, keep Deuce uh, afloat, let him know what he's doing and get some experience for some of these guys. And so, um, yeah, as a player, I can care less what Texas, Texas wants to do. As long as they show up, then I think we're ready to play.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, K-State should be able to win the game. I think even even if it's not going to be Skylar Thompson and it's going to be Will Howard, they should yeah. still be able to win the game because Texas, look like Xavier Worthy's a great player. Um, B. John Robinson was a great player before he got hurt, but unfortunately it doesn't, doesn't look like he's going to be uh, playing in this game because he's out for the rest of the year with an injury that he suffered. And so that's where, you know, I heard someone talking earlier today about, well, remember Texas is the team that was up at halftime against Oklahoma. They were up on Baylor. They were up on Oklahoma state. They had leads on all of these teams up at the top of the big 12 and just couldn't hold them, which I think one shows their toughness or lack thereof, which would not indicate that they would be likely motivated to play this game here at the end of the year. But on top of that, I would just add, like, they, they do not have Bijan John Robinson in this game. They did for those games, and I think that guy's as good a player as there is in the conference. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's that's just a massive, massive difference that they're not going to have him available for this game. Yeah, he's a stud, right? I mean, he'll be one to be talked
2: about for years to come. Um, but, you know, I always think about these games as recruiting tools, right? Texas is a hotbed. If you're coming to try to get guys from Texas, you never know. It could come down to a UT and a Kansas State, and some of these games matter. And so for us, it's just a presence in Texas that we don't get opportunity to have much, especially this year. And so for the most part, you've got to play well. Like I said, it's, it's recruiting. And so you, you, whether it's one player or two players you're trying to get, you never know um, what can flip them. And so you've got to take that approach when, you, when you're playing these games uh, outside of your state.
1: Well, I, I couldn't agree more there. It definitely helps. And it's, it's another, I mean, there are a lot of things here. Momentum, as you said, going into the offseason, going into the bowl game beating Texas a team that you have not beaten since 2016 yeah. doing it in the state of Texas to, to help out your recruiting. And I just think there's a big difference between eight and four and seven and five in terms of how people feel about the regular season, which seems like a silly thing to say, but when you still have the possibility for a nine win season in the full game, and then you're staring down like, okay, well, what if it's seven and five and then you go play Clemson and now seven and six is right there. I mean, you just see right. how much all that can teeter. So I think to your point there, there is, There is a lot of significance for K State in this game, even if it doesn't mean finishing nine and three and on a winning streak. And, you know, there was some momentum halted against Baylor. I think there still is plenty of significance there.
2: Yeah. Well, back to what we've said the last two weeks, right? This is the third season within the season. And so we talked about going two and one. And so we're now officially one and one. And so this is a game that we need to win in order to finish up eight and four. And you're right, eight and four is a lot better than seven and five because seven and five feels like six and six. It's weird how that works, but that's just how it is. And so I, I tell guys all the time: it's the difference when you're looking at um, players that are five eleven and players that are six foot. It's just a difference, you know. It's just one of those one of those um, measuring sticks that they use. And so for us, an uh, eight win season with opportunity to be nine and a big time win in a bowl game just sounds better, and like, it is better.
1: Yeah, well, I like that analogy. <laughs> I think that's very true. The five eleven to six foot thing that that holds very true. Uh, yeah. As far as the quarterback goes, I, I, I am not very confident that Skylar Thompson will play. I, I do know that he left yeah, the yeah. game in uh, some form of a boot slash air cast and crutches. Um, I'm, I'm thinking ankle injury there for Skylar Thompson. So it's not looking good that he'll play here. I think much more likely target would be the bowl game for him to come back and play, which would mean that Chris Kleiman says Will Howard would be the guy if that is the case that Skylar can't go. So I would say one bit of hope there in that is that Texas has a really bad run defense, a really bad run defense. That's allowed seven straight 100 yard rushers. And we know that Will Howard can really run the ball pretty well. And, and the coaching staff is not afraid to have him run the ball, which obviously has been a much different story with Skyler in the game. And I think that was even uh very apparent against Baylor that he wasn't wanting to run the ball a whole heck of a lot. So now you can take, deuce who's been just a 100 yard rushing game machine up against this texas defense they can't stop the run you can utilize will howard in the quarterback run game to ram it down their throats hopefully and i would guess that that really becomes the game plan there against texas
2: uh yes and no right because we can get way too predictable and if i see too many of those qb runs i know how it's going to be on third and six right and so I think we've seen that play out before with Will, and unfortunately, yes, he'll break one every now and then, but for the most part, he runs up the the guard um, and just follows through on the guard a little bit, and so um, I wanted to continue to see us pass the ball when needed, right? Let him rip it. Let him go out there and play free, and see if he's our guy for next year. I mean, this is the decision time, right? Put him in a big-time game. um, Let him play. See what he can do, right? Just because if you're too conservative with them, you know you don't know what you really, really have. And then next year, you've got to go through this whole scenario again. So it's time to, to possibly start that QB competition in the offseason. But um, let them rip it and see what it is when the time comes. And like I said, we've got to get our guys down the field to open up the run game. Otherwise, they're going to have stacked boxes, and we're just going to find ourselves trying to run uh, against the eight-man front.
1: I think you hit on a very important topic there. This is a game that will dictate a lot of what the conversation will be this offseason – assuming that it is Will Howard that plays at QB, because I think right now there's still a lot of uncertainty about what quarterback looks like next year and moving forward if Will is going to be the guy. and He didn't inject a ton of confidence with his performance earlier this year for the injured Skylar Thompson. He he was better against Nevada, in fairness, the last real full healthy game that we saw him because he kind of got hurt in Stillwater, but there's there's enough there that left enough to be desired where you're like, oh, boy, what does is, what is next year look like? If he right. can come in and engineer a win and look pretty good doing it, I think that'll go a long way toward assuaging some of those fears about what next year is going to look like. Because one thing that's been true about the Kleiman era so far is that when he has had Skyler Thompson healthy at quarterback, Kleiman's been a pretty good coach and, and winning at a clip that I think is acceptable here at K-State when, when Skyler has been out – Things look drastically different, so it is fair to wonder, like, all right, what what is this going to look like next year without without Scott yep. quarterback and Howard? This could go a long way for his confidence and for the fans' confidence in him.
2: Yeah, I think we've identified enough uh, things in this podcast for us to say that this is an important game for us, mm-hmm. right? And so um, I want to I want to want to see the guys come out and play well. Like I really I want to see them bounce back. And the goal for me is to end the season with five out of six wins. I think that's what's important, right? Keep your winning streak going, even though you lost one game, pick it back up again. And so that's what's going to be uh, of interest to me when I'm watching the game on Friday.
1: Of course, Texas is leaving the Big 12. Everybody's been getting their shots in at them. And <laughs> how about this, Aaron? If if Kansas beats West Virginia, which the way the Jayhawks are playing right now seems possible, if Kansas beats West Virginia and K-State beats Texas, guess who's finishing last in the Big 12, a year after announcing that they were going to leave for the SEC, yeah. that would be Texas, which would be pretty soon. Yeah. There you go. So yeah,
2: I think you're I think you're right. I think for us it's it's uh, there's enough storylines to say, you know, if they're going to SEC, which they are, you know, we're still in the Big Twelve, you know, we're still trying to build a reputation for the Big Twelve. We got some teams that have committed to come in later on, but we don't want to be at that bottom tier of the Big Twelve uh, as Kansas State, and so for us, I'm okay finishing fourth if you've lost to the top three teams, right? And so that that solidifies us right in the middle, and then we need to continue to get better year after year and figure out how do we make that jump uh, to get to that top tier uh, within that Big Twelve.
1: And just one final note here to tell this to our Texas brethren, who I'm sure many of which are listening to this K-State centric podcast, uh, for. Big 12 teams in the top 13 right now in the college football playoff rankings in the new-look Big 12 with BYU, Cincinnati, Baylor, and Oklahoma State. So it's a feather in the cap for the new league while Texas continues to flounder through uh, what is now a 4-7 and seven season. All right, well, again, if you are going to be watching the game on Friday, which I'm sure pretty much everybody listening to this podcast will be, stock up on the 360 vodka from Holiday Distillery. Those guys have been great supporters of everything we do here in the Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast and at KCSN in general. And that is going to wrap it up for us. For Aaron Lockett, I am John Kurtz. Thanks for listening to another Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast. Also appreciate the work of Tucker Franklin behind the scenes. We will talk to you with – we've got a very special guest plan coming up here for the next podcast. So more details on that coming up. Stay tuned, and we will talk to you soon.